Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you back to week number two of our series, Got at the Box Office. Um, We're grateful to have you. This series, we're taking some Hollywood movies, and we're finding some holy themes right in the middle of them. Um, and so the, the movie that we're using, The Shack, this weekend is uh, a movie that I, I knew early on it would be a movie I'd want to include and got at the box office. Uh, what was really tough for me was to decide which scenes to kind of focus on in the movie because there are so many good, poignant scenes in this film. Um, and so let me just say, uh, let me ask this question, but I'm just curious, how many of you have seen the movie, uh, The Shack, by a show of hands? Okay, so uh, a few of us have. Uh, for those that haven't, I don't think we'll give away any, anything significant. No spoiler alerts today okay, that i got to tell you about. Um, but I will say this. In the movie, uh, there are some parts of it that are not 100% theologically sound. Uh, and, and so is the movie It's a Wonderful Life, and yet it's one of my very favorite movies of all time. Uh, so there are some parts that are a little doctrinally thin in this movie, so don't go in. If you do see it thinking, wow, I'm watching uh, the Bible unfold before me, there are parts of it that uh, you may struggle with a little bit. But I will say this. Uh, the movie has a powerful theme and a powerful message. It's a story uh, of a man, a father, who actually loses his daughter who's murdered in a shack. Uh, She's abducted and murdered, and he gets this letter, uh, and when he gets it, he's hungry for revenge. He's thinking he's somehow being duped, and so he decides he's going to go back to the shack, and he's going to visit this person who he's supposed to meet there next weekend by the name of Papa. And what he ends up discovering is that Papa is not a person who's there to do him any harm. In fact, it's a person who is brought into his life to help him to come to terms with his own pain. I think this movie is one that's filled with emotionally healthy spirituality. Uh, This movie's all about journeying through the wall. It's all about going back to break the power of the past. And in reality, if there are two themes that really kind of jump out of this film, they are these, faith and forgiveness. Faith and forgiveness. This morning, I would call it the wild side of faith. Did you know faith has really two aspects, two sides. I mean, it's true. Faith is both a noun, but faith is also a verb. And as a noun, faith is something you possess, but as a verb, faith is something that possesses you. So there is this passive side of faith that is very static, and then there's this proactive side of faith that is very dynamic, The passive side of faith is very contained, very controlled. But the proactive side of faith feels out of control. And the reason it feels out of control is because it often is. The passive side of faith, the noun part of faith, um, is really very predictable. But it's the proactive side of faith that is highly unpredictable. And when we read about faith in the Bible... The Bible more often uses the verb faith than it does the noun faith. So faith, as the Bible intends it, is highly unpredictable. It's going to always require movement and action on each of our parts. 
And so this morning, we're going to take us to a story that's told in Matthew's gospel. Um, it's, a, it's a story that is filled with faith. In fact, it pushes the boundaries of faith. You and I will never find ourselves in this exact story, in this exact scenario. But what we will find is that we experience this in the wild side of faith. In fact, what this story does is it actually gives us a seat ringside at the wild side of faith. We get to see what it looks like, how it works, and what it means for all of our lives. And so there are really three elements to the wild side of faith that I want to talk about this morning. The first element is that the wild side of faith will always have an element of fear. It will always have an element of fear. I wish I could tell you this morning that I am 100% fearless. But I fear telling lies. So I'm not going to say that this morning. The reality is I have things in my life that I have a healthy fear of, a healthy respect of. My now, Ashley this morning talked about uh, Malachi uh, and the fact that uh, he actually sees a shadow, and the shadow sometimes causes fear. And you know what? Fear is like that in all of our lives. There are things that we think about that just cause us tremendous fear. My wife and I last week were walking through our community, and, and we were actually in the neighborhood next door, and we came upon a house where the guy had a ladder set up. His wife was standing in the driveway, and he was walking on the roof like I was walking on the pavement. And I walked up where he was, and I said on my way past, I said, you are one brave man. You could not pay me a million dollars to get up on that roof and walk. And he, and he said to me as he's walking down, just ever so casually, he showed me a toy that one of his kids apparently got up on the roof, and he said, you'll do just about anything for your kids. And I thought, that's true in part. But there are limits to that, right? There are things that I probably still would not do, right? Because there is just a healthy, holy fear and respect for heights. Anybody else here share my respect, healthy respect of heights this morning? Okay, come on, let's be honest. I think for some of us, it is, it, it's there, it's something that we, we deal with. Well, what's interesting is when you go back to the original narrative of Scripture, all the way back to Genesis, you discover that Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God, experienced two unknown emotions. They had never experienced these before. When they disobeyed God, they experienced shame and fear. Those two things were not part of God's original plan. They were not his original design for humanity. God did not create us to be filled with shame and fear. And by the way, those two often go hand in hand. So when Adam and Eve fall, the Bible says they create fig leaves to cover their shame. And the very next thing they do is they hide themselves from God. Why are they hiding? Because they're ashamed and they're afraid. If you go to Google and you Google the word, you'll actually have returned to you that uh, that there are over 2,000 unique classifications of fears are what are known as phobias. And they're growing all the time. Did you know there's a fear of fear? It's called phobophobia. It's true. There are fears for absolutely everything 
in life. And the reality is God didn't design them to be part of us. So most of what we fear in life is unfounded. Most of the things we fear will never come to pass. In fact, I was reading in the Huffington Post, um, the end of last year, there was a survey and a study that was done, and this study had been done for years, and they were now reporting on the study where subjects were evaluated over a period of years of things they worried about, things that created anxiety and fear. And the results were this, 85% of the subjects The things they worried about and got consumed with fear over never, ever materialized, never came to pass. Only 15% ever experienced what they feared, and of those 15%, 79% said it was much, uh, it wasn't nearly as difficult as I expected, it wasn't nearly as scary as I thought. In fact, I learned good things as a result of it, and I'm grateful for it. And so here's how the study concluded, 97% of the things that we worried about in our life, 97% of them are caused by fear-filled minds that punish us with exaggerations and misperceptions. And that's so true, isn't it, when it comes to fear? When the story, Mackenzie actually finds himself being led out on a lake, and while there, Papa's son comes to visit him. And in that visit, he's experiencing some things going on inside of him that Papa is trying to get to. I want you to watch the scene with me. It's okay. Why are you doing this to me? This isn't me. You told me to come out here. Mac, this is happening inside you. You're letting it consume you and you don't have to. Just take a deep breath and listen to my voice. Don't look at it, Mac. Look here. Don't think about the past. Don't think about the pain. Look at me. Everything is gonna be okay. Look at me. Trust me, none of this can hurt you. Just keep your eyes on me. Breathe. Good, Mac. I'm not going anywhere. So Hollywood ripped this screen, this this scene right out of Scripture. So Matthew chapter 14, 
verses 24 through 26. The disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. The wild side of fear or the wild side of faith will always introduce us to a level of fear. And there are many ways that we can learn in life, but one of the greatest ways that we learn in life is through experience. How do we unlearn fears that have been learned? You know, there's only two fears that we're born with. The fear of heights, the fear of falling, and the fear of loud noises. That, that's it, just those two. That means every other fear we experience in life is a learned response. The good news is if it's learned, it can be unlearned. And the question is, how do we unlearn fears? I think we need to be introduced to a portion of them. So we're going through in our country one of the worst flu seasons we've had in a long time. And yet, even though news report after news report is telling us, get your vaccination, many people still have not. Now, I'm not here to defend or refute vaccinations this morning, but I'm here to make this point. When you get an immunization, when you get vaccinated, there is a small portion of that virus that is introduced to your bloodstream. The purpose is to allow your body to do what it's been created to do, and that is to build a natural defense system and a natural defense against that particular virus. So here's the deal. If you want to become protected from the threat, you've got to be introduced to a little bit of the threat. And I think that's true spiritually speaking. How do we overcome fear? I think we have to experience a small amount of it. The remedy for the fear of failure is not success. The remedy for the fear of failure is some failure. The remedy for the fear of rejection is not complete acceptance. It is experiencing some rejection. I'm learning in my own life that the fear of being vulnerable and leading through weakness, the answer is not being stronger. The answer is being weaker. Allowing more weakness into my life so that I can learn how to function in it more comfortably, more naturally, more the way God desires us to do it. So I think we need to experience a degree of it, and that's exactly what's happening here with Peter. The Bible says the disciples are afraid in verse 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once, do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. I mean, that's easy for Jesus to say, right? Don't be afraid. But did you know that particular command, that is a command, and it appears so many times. It is the most repeated command in all of Scripture. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Why is it repeated so often in Scripture? Because God knows we are. And so God knows we need reminded not to fear. 
And what's interesting is every time you read that command in Scripture, do not fear, do not be afraid, there's something else that's happening simultaneously with it, and that's this. God's presence is there. It will always be, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm here. And what the Scripture here is teaching us is this, that the wild side of faith means that we need to know that it is God's presence that will give us the courage to face our fears. It is God's presence that gives us the courage to face our fears. So when it comes to the wild side of faith, there will always be an element of fear that we must confront. The second thing is that the wild side of faith will always have an element of risk. It will always have an element of risk. How many of you, by a show of hands, would say that you are a high-tolerance risk-taker? Let me see your hands. If you say, I'm pretty high on the risk-tolerance side. Yeah, so a few of us. But the reality is the overwhelming majority of us in this auditorium are probably somewhere in the middle or we may even be risk-averse. Not many people are high-risk-takers. And yet in life there are really only two kinds of risks. There are calculated risks and there are foolish risks. There are risks that we take that are ill-advised and there are risks that we take that we've done our homework We've looked at the options. We know where things stand, and we feel pretty comfortable with the level of risk that it's going to require. When it comes to the wild side of faith, that's not always the case. The risk that's involved will sometimes be what is considered an ill-advised or even a foolish risk. So in the story, Mackenzie, actually, we pick up the scene where the son, Papa's son, is coming to him. And let's watch the dialogue on the lake. Now, let's get you out of this boat. What? You heard me. This is not funny. I'm not joking. without me, and that future does not exist. I promise to go with you always, right? And I'm right here. Come on. I love Mackenzie gets on the water and he says, now what? 
you know, that must have been how Peter felt. Let's drop back into the story in Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. Now, now there are several things here that strike me in this narrative. The first thing that really strikes me is that Peter is having a conversation with what he believes to be a ghost. If you hit the mute on the story, all you would see is this crazy Galilean who's actually in the middle of a boat, middle of a lake, middle of a storm, having a conversation with what they believe is a ghost. The other thing that strikes me is that it is Peter who initiates the risk. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, if, if this is real, if you're really in this, then I want you to tell me. He actually puts out a fleece, so to speak, to Jesus and said, if you're in this, tell me to come. The third thing that I find so remarkable is he actually swings his leg over the side of the boat and does it, takes a step. You see, let me give you another aspect of the wild side of faith. The wild side of faith will require a willingness to look foolish. So often in life, what keeps us from doing tremendous things for God is our fear of looking foolish. We are afraid of what people will say. We are afraid of what people might think. And it is that concern about looking foolish that keeps us from stepping out and taking a step in Christ's direction. So often in life, people say, I can't get help. I, I know my marriage is in trouble. I know my life is in trouble. But I can't get help because what if people find out I'm going to look so foolish? I can't pray for someone to get healed because if I pray for them and they don't get healed, I'm going to look like a fool. I can't share my faith with somebody at my workplace. I mean, I really feel this, this nudge, this urging to let them know about God's love. But if I do, what if they reject it? I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to feel like a fool. Our unwillingness to be foolish for God keeps us from experiencing the wild side of faith the way God wants us to. Let me just think about it. If Peter had never asked the question, if Peter had never stuck his leg off the side of the boat, he would have never been the first human being ever recorded in history other than Jesus to have walked on water. Even if it was only just a few steps. He's the only man that we ever read about in all of history that actually did the impossible. Why? Because he was willing to look foolish. So there will always be an element of fear. There will always be an element of risk. And thirdly, the wild side of faith, there will always be an element of uncertainty. An element of uncertainty. I'm not a movie critic, per se. But I suspect that nearly every one of you in the auditorium would agree with this this morning. 
that what makes for the best movies and the best television shows, what makes for the best scripts is a high degree of surprise and uncertainty. When you walk into a movie and you know everything about what's going to happen, there's nothing to look forward to. But when a movie or a television show has a high degree of surprise, there is much more interest and excitement about being engaged in that movie. Let me illustrate it with just three words. This is us. How many of you are dialed in to the NBC show, This Is Us? If you are, oh my goodness, so, ma- you, so many of you, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. If you, are, if you are not watching This Is Us, you talk about a show that just pulls you in every single episode. You know why? Because it's filled with uncertainty. There's such a surprise element, you just don't know what's coming. You just don't know where they're going to leave you hanging at the end of every single episode. You know what? Very few things in life are 100% certain. In fact, if everything in life were certain, there would be no need for faith. Think about it. What makes faith what it is? What makes it what it is, what makes it so powerful, is that it helps us to move into life with a degree of uncertainty. And life is filled with it. There are relational uncertainties in our life. We move into relationship hoping that this relationship will come out really, really well. But listen, it never comes out the way we planned. I don't care how good it is. 100% guarantee it won't be everything you planned. There is, for many of us here this week, we've been facing some financial uncertainty. Have you watched the crazy ride on Wall Street this week? Some of you have. You've probably been dialing into your 401k wondering what's happening to my investments. There's so much financial uncertainty in life. There's, for some of us, high degrees of occupational uncertainty. We don't know, sitting here this morning, whether we want to do 40 hours a week what we're doing for the next 40 years. We're not sure that that's where we want to live our lives. And let me tell you, when it comes to faith, there will always be a high degree of spiritual uncertainty. So let's pick it up. Verse number 30. When he, Peter, saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. What I find so interesting is here's Peter stepping out of the boat, overcoming his initial fear with courage, and now... He's returning back to fear. And why? Because the Bible says he saw something that wasn't there. Just read it. He saw the wind. How do you see wind? What he was seeing was he was seeing the circumstances. He was seeing the symptoms and the results of something that he could not see with his physical eyes. But what he could see was Jesus. And yet what does he do? He takes his eyes off Jesus. He puts them on his circumstances where life seems to be blowing out of control. Everything seems to be spinning in the wrong direction. And in that moment, he experiences something. 
He experiences what I think the wild side of faith will always bring out in our lives. Let me let you in on a little secret this morning. You ready? Whenever you step out on faith, you will always second-guess yourself. It is very rare that we step out in faith and do something that we don't question. We don't second-guess. We don't start to wonder whether or not we really heard God say this. Whether God really said come or go. We, we, we struggle to say, am I willing to step out and continue going even when it within me? I am struggling with all this self-doubt. I'm beginning to second-guess myself. That's what Peter does. And I love how Jesus meets him right at his point of second-guessing. Verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? The narrative doesn't go on to tell us what it was like when Jesus brings Peter back to the boat. But I've got a pretty healthy imagination. Because I know what it's like to be with people in an experience like that. And for people who did not take the step to look at you and say, what were you thinking? I imagine the disciples that sat in the boat didn't focus on the fact that Peter took a few steps in the water. I imagine what they probably focused on was the fact that he sank. You got out of the boat, Peter. You shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have taken that step. You look like a fool out there on the water. And yet Peter did something no one else has done. Peter does the impossible. He does the improbable. Here's what I have a conviction of. Sinking is better than sitting. I think attempting something great for God and not succeeding at it is better than never trying. Better than sitting and being comfortable in the confines of the boat and saying, I'm not willing to step out because I'm not sure. I'm uncertain about what the future is going to hold. If, the, if faith is anything, it is wild. It is unpredictable. It is uncertain. It's filled with all sorts of risks. And it will confront your greatest fears. But if you ever... And if I ever want to do anything extraordinary for God, we've got to be discontent, remaining ordinary, remaining average. If we're going to do anything remarkable in our own life for Christ, we've got to be willing at times to step out of our comfort zone and do what the Lord asks. This morning, there's one more scene I want you to see. And then we're going to Come to the Lord's table together in communion. Near the end of the movie, Mackenzie has brought down a path, a journey by Papa. And it's in this point that Mackenzie is confronted with his greatest fear and his greatest uncertainty. And that is what will happen if I do step out and trust. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to the guy who killed my daughter? What's going to happen to me? And he confronts Mackenzie with the importance of forgiveness. 
I want you to watch the scene with me. And then we're preparing for communion. We're here to do something that's going to be very painful for you. to this part of your journey. You want me to forgive him? Mm -hmm. He killed my daughter. I want to hurt him. I want him to hurt like he hurt me. I want you to hurt him. I know you do. But he too is my son, and I want to redeem him. Redeem him? He should burn in hell. So we're back to you as the judge. So you, you just let him get away with it? Nobody gets away with anything. Everything bears consequences. What he did was horrible. I'm not asking you to excuse what he did. I'm asking you to trust me to do what's right and to know what's best. And then what? Forgiveness doesn't establish your relationship. It's just about letting go of his throat. Mac. The pain inside is devouring you, robbing you of joy and crippling your capacity to love. I can't. You're not stuck because you can't. You're stuck because you won't. The wildest sight of faith for all of us is to forgive those who've wronged us. I think the most powerful scene in the movie was the statement that he just made. You're not stuck because you can't. You're stuck because you won't. There are two questions I want you to prayerfully sit with while you receive these elements this morning, the bread and the cup. The first question I'd like you to sit with prayerfully is, what is the name of the fear that has the power to sink me. Until we name it, it's hard to confront it and conquer it. And the second question I'd like you to prayerfully sit with is, where am I stuck? In my relationship with God today, where do I find myself stuck? Perhaps you're here and you are stuck in doubt and, f and fear and even self-doubt. Maybe this morning you're stuck in guilt and shame. Maybe you're stuck with temptation and sin that you're struggling. 
to overcome. I have a suspicion that many of us here get stuck in anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. I think one of the hardest places to step out of the boat and trust God is in forgiveness. And that's the power of the Lord's table. See, the Lord's table reminds us that we are forgiven. It reminds us that we have a clean slate before God, that God has forgiven all of our past and all of our sins. And let me say this this morning, because you need to hear it. Jesus' death makes forgiveness possible, but Jesus' death makes unforgiveness impossible. We cannot not forgive as followers of Jesus. Amen. Bless you all. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.